0: As soon as Peter gets this microphone, there we go, and let the screen down. I uh, had a wonderful time in visiting with Claudette's mother-in-law when they came in, and Claudette was practicing. And I asked her, I said, do you have any relatives in western Nebraska? Because when I pastored in western Nebraska, we had some Sanders in uh, Henry, Nebraska, and she said that, that her husband was from around that area. She knew all these places that I pastored and and was familiar with the area. It's always good to visit with visitors. Because, you know, you always find someone who knows someone. And so you better be good. And I appreciated the Sabbath school this morning. and. Uh, having someone from the Army that was here to represent our our military. He asked the question, but we have more here. How many of you served in a military service? See all the hands? I told the clinic this last week when I had worship, I said, uh, you ought to go up and hug a vet this week for Veterans Day. The doctor Dr. Smith said, uh, I'm not going to hug anybody, I don't know. Well, she found out there was another guy that was there that she knew that was a vet, so she hugged him. Enter into the most holy place. I spelled holy wrong, didn't I? It's been a long week. (laughs) Following my shoes. Someone asked an important question for visitors that are here. See, I was just getting ready for the holiday season. That's why I put Holly up there. For our visitors, we're taking a look at the sanctuary. The sanctuary is very important. So important that we have to understand the ministry that Jesus is performing right now in heaven in the most holy place. If we don't understand it, we're missing out on a tremendous ministry that's taking place right now for our lives, for the lives of your family, for the lives of your friends and the strangers. And so it's important to take a look at these things. And we talked about, last week, about the law and about the commandments. And I had shared with you that When the Bible talks about the law and about the commandments, it's more than just the Ten Commandments. It's all the teachings of the Bible that God gives to us. So someone came after the service and said, now, Pastor, can you explain that a little more? So that's what I'm going to do today. We have the Ten Commandments in the Bible and we read those Ten Commandments and many a times we say, well, that's simple enough. I don't do those things, so I must be safe. Well, those Ten Commandments are in a short written form, but what comes from the Bible is the fact that these commandments need some explanation. Now we discovered when we were looking at this, what is it that we're judged by in heaven? We're, we're judged by the commandments. It's the character of Jesus. He followed the commandments, didn't he? The Bible says that, that he knew no sin. He didn't break any of the commandments. So it's a part of his life. It's a part of the way things are run in heaven. I want you to look at something that we often quote sometimes, and that's the Lord's Prayer. And we've got it down by memory. But do we really understand where it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. As it is where? Jesus gave that prayer, right? So what he's wanting is for us to pray that we will do the will of God on this earth as God does it in heaven. Is that right? I must be willing to do to begin to live like a citizen of heaven here on this earth. I must learn to reflect the character of God. Jesus tells us in the book of Revelation that God's people will live in that same way. Revelation fourteen twelve. Here are those who keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. We looked at that and we said those have to go hand in hand. If you just keep the commandments, you're a legalist. If you just say all I have to do is live by faith, You're missing out on the whole ministry of Jesus in heaven because we are being judged by the commandments. The one question that is asked is, have they kept my commandments? So what does that mean? God wants us to put into practice a lifestyle that only the citizens of heaven know how to live. Keeping the teachings of God alone, like I said, is legalism and will not save us. But keeping the teachings of God is an evidence of our faith that we have in Jesus and what he is doing for us right now. This is what we call righteousness by faith. The Bible, we we read the Ten Commandments, we need to understand and, and find out what is it that I need to do in order to live like a citizen of heaven. The rest of the teachings that you find in the Bible is like a commentary on how to keep the commandments. It's Many places is an explanation of what it means to go through. And we could go through all ten of them, but we're not going to do that. But we do want to take some examples. For example... Thou shall not commit adultery. Isn't that in the Ten Commandments? Okay, you'll find it there. But the question is, what does it mean? So we've got to go then to the Bible and see what the commentary is sharing with us on what it means to not commit adultery. So let's take a look at Matthew 5, verses 31 and 32. Jesus is speaking, this is a Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking and he says, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a woman who is Divorce commits adultery. Now that's getting a little more specific, isn't it? Jesus says the only reason for divorce is why? Sexual immorality. And that's called adultery. But there's even more that Jesus has to say about divorce. The religious leaders asked him a question concerning divorce. Matthew 19 verses 7 and 8. Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he, Jesus, said unto them, Moses, because of the what? Hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, that's from creation, it was not so. So why? Was divorce ever entered into the picture because of the hardness of God's heart, right? No. It's the hardness of our hearts. It's, it's our sinful nature to, if we don't agree with our spouse, cast them off. But it wasn't that way in the beginning. When God created Adam and Eve, He said that they should leave their parents and become what? One with each other. Now, that term hardness of heart, remember we talked about that the last time, that back in biblical days they didn't have anatomy and physiology. They kind of got things different. When they were talking about the heart, they were actually talking about their Minds. So when it's talking about it's because of the hardness of your heart, it's really saying it's the hardness of your mind. You're set in your ways. You've got to have your way or not at all. Is that right? That's really what sin is. is having it my way, not God's way. Take a look at Matthew 5. Verses 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery within her heart. What does heart mean? Within the mind. Do you see what's going on? He's talking about the adultery as what we're thinking about and what we choose to do. And what we choose to do is that if we don't think that we can settle our ways, then we think cast out that spouse and get a new one. And sometimes people have three, four. I've got a friend of mine that has gone through five marriages. And he can't understand why all these ladies are so rotten. Maybe it's not the ladies. Maybe it's the hardness of his mind. The stubbornness that's within his mind. The sin of adultery in any form. And that, even when it comes to divorce, starts in the mind up here. It's because of the thoughts, the choices, the impressions, the fantasies, the misconceptions the selfish desires, all these things and more start in the mind and leads to adultery and or divorce. Thus you are breaking the commandment against adultery. Thou shall not commit adultery. Go to Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. For the Lord God of Israel says that he, what? Hates what? Who hates divorce? God hates divorce. Look, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. One of the things that we have to have when Jesus is in his ministry within the most holy place is that we're covered with a garment. The garment of the righteousness of Christ. Am I right? Okay. If I have the garment on, but I go through the divorce, that garment is covered with what? Violence. Is that what he wants? No. But what about two consenting adults who are not married? That's a different story, isn't it? Psalms 50, verse 18. When you saw a thief You consented with him and have been a partaker with adulterers. This thief is someone who is robbing another person of something very precious. And what it's talking about here is that very precious thing that is being robbed is the intimate personal body of another person. Even though they are consenting to go ahead and to do it. You're being classified as breaking the commandment of thou shalt not commit adultery. Is that what it's saying? I just read a thing last night. Single Christians have almost 70% of single adult Christians are having consensual immorality and think nothing of it. But see, this is coming from God's Word. This isn't just me. This is God's commentary of asking, what does it mean... In the commandments, when you say, thou shalt not commit adultery. So it's, it's more than, than just having immoral relations with someone. Although that's part of it. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor, what's this next word? Keep that in mind for a moment. Nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Fornication are those who are having immoral relationships outside of marriage, whether consensual or not. This text is also referring to those controlled by pornography. Immoral perversions with young children. Homosexuality. Now, I know whenever I mention homosexuality, someone always comes up to me and tells me a person is born that way. They've been created that way by God. And since they're created that way, they don't have to change. Did you just see what I just read? I didn't write it. So what's idolatry? I told you to remember that. What is idolatry? Idols. Well, it's another commandment. Let's go to Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them. Nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. He still wants us to keep the commandments, doesn't he? And it's out of love, okay. But you might be saying, well, I don't bow down to any idols. I don't have any statues that I have in my garden that I bow down to. I don't, I don't have any of those things. They are called, it is called idolatry. But before we look at the Bible's commentary, let me ask you a very simple question. What is the first letter of the word idolatry? Okay, I. This commandment is telling us that when we break this commandment, we have an I problem. I like it. I do it. I want it. I'm going to have it. Parents, does that sound familiar from your children? But it doesn't stop with children. Idolatry also goes along with the last commandment. Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is is your neighbor's. Okay, I don't want my neighbor's donkey. But what about his Corvette? We call it covetousness, to covet. It fits along with idolatry. I like what you have, Mr. Neighbor, and I want the same in my life. It even goes along with adultery. I like your wife, and I want your wife. Now let's look at the commentary, more of the commentary from the Bible about these two commandments and what they mean. Okay? It all has stems from the I problem. I want it. I like it. I'm going to have it. I don't care who says what. I don't even care what the Bible says. I'm going to have it my way. 1 Timothy 2, verse 8 and 10. Therefore, I desire that the men pray everywhere. Okay, guys, you're supposed to pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now, did I make this up? No. Go to Isaiah 3, verses 16 to 23. Remember, this is a commentary. This is what it means about idols. Moreover, the Lord says, who's saying this? The Lord's saying this, because the daughters of Zion. Who's the daughters of Zion? Zion. It's Israel, God's chosen people. Is that right? Okay. Because God's chosen daughters are haughty, which means high and mighty. What's the first thing when it's high and mighty? The eye problem. And walk with outstretched necks. Look at me. And wanton, that's immoral eyes. Do you know what the immoral ladies used to do with their eyes as they were standing on the street corners? They used to paint them. Walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. Therefore the Lord, now here comes the Lord, will strike with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion Brothers and sisters, we need the crown of heaven on our heads. But he's saying he's going to strike the crowns of his, of his daughters of Zion and the Lord will uncover their secret parts. In that day, the Lord will take away the finery, the, jing, the jingling anklets, the scars, the crescents, that's moon-shaped jewelry, the pendants, the bracelets, the veils, the headdresses, the leg ornaments, and the headbands, the perfume boxes, and charms, and the rings, the nose jewels, the, the festal apparel, the mantles, the outer garments, the purses, the mirrors, the fine linen, the turbans, and the robes. What's left? I've got to ask you a question. What is the purpose of jewelry? Tell me, what is the purpose of jewelry? It's to have people to be called attention to yourself. As Christians, who are we to call people's attention to? To Jesus, not to self. But you say, but I'm going to have a crown in heaven. That's because it's going to reflect the glory of Christ in heaven. But here, it's reflecting self. Me. What's the first letter of idolatry? I I like it. I want it. I'm going to have it. And I don't care what the Bible commentary says. Leviticus 19, verse 28. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Not supposed to put what on your body? Cuttings. What do you think happens when they're tattooing your body? They're cutting, they're marring your body with needles jabbing in and out. Look at the context of this verse in Leviticus 19, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Who is he speaking to? His people. He's trying to tell them and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You have to be holy different than the rest of the world. The world is going to look one way, but you are to reflect the glory of Christ in your life. That's what's to shine. It's not reflecting the glory of a picture of Jesus on your rear end. And I don't care if it's a little cross or something big, Anything that is made by humans that I want because the rest of the world has is idolatry. Boy, it sure got quiet in here. Well, now that's pretty, isn't it? But look at the baby. And look on his right shoulder. But the rest of the world is doing it. It's got to be okay. Not according to the Bible. You ready for me to go one step farther? Remember evangelistic meetings we often go to and we often talk about the, the papal beast and we often talk about the Sabbath and Sunday and how the papacy says, if you really want to see and understand the mark of the authority that we have on this world today, look at all the other churches and how they are keeping Sunday where there is no recognition within the Bible whatsoever of being able to keep Sunday, the day, holy, but they do it because of the authority of us. You remember? Okay, we've all gone through evangelistic meetings that have seen that and have heard that. Look what the papacy says now. I'm waiting for it. Here it comes. Hold on to your seat. The ring in marriage, and some other things, are, a, are of pagan origin and sanctified by their adoption into the church. Man, it got quiet again. It's pagan, not Christian. It's the worshiping of idols, which is paganism. And God's commandment says that we shall not bow down to or worship any idol. Now, get, brothers and sisters, I'm not making this up. Our denomination has known and has stood for this for a long time. When I took Bible studies, the pastor I took Bible studies with said, You can always tell a Seventh day Adventist, even if you're standing in a crowded mall, for what they're not wearing like the rest of the world. Brothers and sisters, I can't say that now. We're just like the world. Revelation 17, verses 3 through 5. I saw a woman. What's a woman represent in Bible prophecy? Church, okay? I saw a church. This is in the last days. Sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy. Is this God's church? No. Okay. The woman, the church, was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones, and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was a a name, was written mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the mother of harlots, the mother of churches. What do you think? the Roman Catholic Church calls itself the mother of all churches. We are to be different than the other churches. Testimonies, Volume 3, page 366. 366 to dress plainly and abstain from display of jewelry and ornaments of every kind is the keeping with our faith. I should have worn my steel toed boots today. It's the keeping of our faith. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus they go hand in hand I have to read the commentary of the Bible in order to understand what keeping the commandments God's last day people what they're going to be doing and what they're going to be like in the last days I've got to read all the commentaries and I can't go through and say well I don't like this part let's throw it out I got to rip this out of the Bible if you keep ripping out everything that's a commentary out of the Bible cuz you don't like it, you're not going to have anything left. It's the commandments of God that will be judged, that we'll, we will be judged by in heaven. And that judgment is going on right now. It starts with God's church, all those who say that they are Christians. It starts with those who have died in Christ first. But when does it switch from those who have died to those who are now living? I don't know. It doesn't say. When will my name come up in the judgment? I don't know. It doesn't say. All it says is that the judgment has already begun. The last day message. It's already started. So, if I am judged by the commandments of God, what needs to take place in my life? I've got to follow the commandments. Not that the commandments are going to save me, but because of what Jesus is and what He's doing for me, and because of my love and appreciation for Him, I want to be just like Him. Not only in my actions, but in my looks. And that doesn't mean, ladies, you've got to grow a beard. What it means is, if Jesus is pure, you are to be pure. Review and Herald, March 15, 1887. It is not looking away from Him, God that we imitate the life of Jesus, but by talking of him, by dwelling upon his perfections, by seeking to refine the taste and elevate the character, by trying through faith and love and by earnest persevering effort to approach the perfect pattern, by having a knowledge of Christ, his words, his habits, and his lessons of instructions, that's his commentary, we borrow the virtues of the character we have so closely studied the more i look at jesus the more i behold him the more i will be changed and different than the rest of the world isn't that what i'm saying i'm not trying to hurt people's feelings I've got to be honest. I don't want someone to say, why didn't you tell me, Pastor? Why didn't you explain this to me? Why did you leave that out? Let's look at another commandment. Thou shalt not steal. That's a good one. Commentary, Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. We steal from God when we do not pay the tithe. The tithe is a tenth of our income that goes to support the ministry. Then what you give above and beyond the tithe is called an offering. It does not support the ministry. It goes for things like our electricity. It goes for other things, church buildings, all other all other things. But it's above and beyond the tithe. But you might say, I don't like the pastor. I don't like the conference. I don't like the general conference. don't like any of those critters, so I'm going to withhold my tithe doesn't say any place in the commentary to withhold your tithe. It says when you do, you are robbing not the conference, not the church, not the general conference, not anything else. You are robbing God. He's going to take care of the minister if he's not doing right. He's going to take care of the conference if they're not doing right. And woe be to me, I don't want to be one of those guys. Cause God's fire burns hotter than any fire we could have here on this earth. I don't even want to be in their shoes. Thou shall not kill. Oh man, I got this one down, Pat, Pastor. I won't. I haven't killed anyone in the last. Well, wait a minute. Matthew five. You have heard that it was said to, you, to those of old, you shall not murder or kill, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, here's the commentary, that whoever is what? Angry with his brother, and that could be sister, and that could be mother, and that could be spouse, child. Whoever is angry with someone else without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Man, I even had to go step on my toes now. Do you see that the Ten Commandments is much deeper than what you see on the surface? 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, Or do you not know that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you know that we are killing the temple of God? Wow, pastor, how am I doing that? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. There's the commentary, but look out. The Bible talks about unclean food. It's very clear about unclean food and what it is. And we still have Seventh-day Adventists that say, I want to eat what I want to eat. We drink whatever we think that the rest of the world is drinking, and I don't want to feel... Like I'm out of sync with the rest of the world. We put in our mouths. We smoke. We we take pills. We shoot ourselves. We take drugs. We do all kinds of things to be able to try to cope with our problems. We overeat. I'm going to watch you next week at potluck. Don't blame me when you t- start looking like this lady up here with obesity. We don't exercise. We just hang our clothes on the exercise equipment. We are depressed. We just sit around as a couch potato all the day long. We've got stress. Remember that stressed is desserts spelled backwards. We get angry at people. And if you think you're overworked, look at that donkey. But we overwork ourselves. All these things are killing our bodies today. Which means we are destroying the temple of the Holy Spirit. The dwelling place where the strength and the power of God lives in us. If we destroy it, He cannot stay. So a rich young man came to Jesus said, Jesus, how, how do you get in heaven? And Jesus told him he needed to follow the commandments. And he says, well, Lord, I, I follow the commandments. Jesus says, but there's one thing that you haven't done. The commentary is in following all the commandments is to take everything that you have and to give it to the poor. But that meant that this nice, well-dressed young man who wore fancy clothes and was very respected would have to associate and give something to someone who looked so bad, to some stranger that's out on the street. And that young man walked away from Jesus. He was not willing to follow the commentary that Jesus gave to him on what it meant to follow the commandments. We are to give up our selfish desires. We are to live a life that shows we are qualified for heaven. We are to be different than the rest of the world. So how do we develop A heavenly lifestyle. Well, you're going to have to come back next week and we're going to find out. But in the meantime, let's take our hymnal and let's turn to hymn number 319. Lord, I want to be a Christian. 319.
1: Shall we stand as we
0: sing together? 319.
1: Lord, I want. you be
0: Lord, you know from my heart that I'm not here to condemn any one person, but I'm here to reveal Jesus. To reveal not only who Jesus is, but his teachings. Because I want everyone to be saved, and so do you. You are preparing God's people to be ready for that soon coming of Jesus. I want to be prepared. And I want my church to be prepared as well, too. For when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes, my body needs to be ready to be a witness to a lost world. Make that a reality in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.